Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Um, I know it is a, it is a big deal uh, to give up some of your, your time uh, to come out to church, and I am deeply appreciative. Uh, we literally have uh, 300 plus volunteers. We, we think it's somewhere around 350. It all depends on what week you ask us. And, uh, but uh, I, I, would, I would love to see the day that we could get all of our volunteers together. And uh, so I want to say thank you for being here tonight and uh, the sacrifice of your time. And I know time is a valuable commodity now. You, you could be doing something really valuable like watching TV um, or something like that. But no, I'm, I'm just joking. I really do value your time. Uh, and you're giving your time to the cause of Christ in the earth. Is there anything better to give your time to, really? And no, come on. Come on, anybody here tonight? Come on, you're, you gotta be awake. It's nighttime. And so, uh, let, me just, uh, let me just encourage you. Uh, we do these meetings once a quarter. They, they're, they're just so valuable to our church being a great church. And if we just wanna kind of putt along and just have services and be mediocre and be about this deep, uh, then we don't need meetings like this. But this meeting is essential. And I'm gonna ask you to use your influence the next time we have a heart for the house. What's the date? Somebody got it? The 27th of April. So uh, that would be a great time for you to use whatever influence, uh, whatever, twist somebody's arm behind their back, just whatever, and then get forgiveness or just something, just some way. Would, would you at least pray and consider uh, getting another volunteer here next time? Can we have double this? Have we, do we have a count right now? 134. Okay, 134. So that's about a third of our volunteers, a little more than a third. Uh, it would be pretty cool for us to, to have 250 volunteers in this room for our next one. Would you do that? Could you, would you join me with that? Would you help? Would you lean in? Would you pull? Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, so... Um, uh, tonight, I want to take a few moments. Uh, our ushers are going to hand out a, uh, a magnet uh, that has got a passage of scripture on it, and I'm uh, going to talk about it for a minute. Um, are you guys going to throw my notes up here, or is that not going to happen tonight? If it doesn't happen, that's okay. I'm totally cool with whatever happens. There it is. There it is. Awesome. You guys probably know this, but my notes come up on these uh, uh, screens, and I, I read them off of here, and uh, they help keep me in line, because I need to be kept in line. This, what I want to share with you tonight um, was, is there are, there are, I am primarily a teacher. That is, that is my, kind of my gift, and uh, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a yeller, I'm not a, uh, you know, a spitter or anything like that. We were watching a guy who is a really good, I mean a really good preacher, but he was yelling and uh, it, we were watching it, I was watching it on my iPad and I actually had it up on the TV and Levi, my six-year-old grandson, was sitting next to me and he leans over and he goes, Papa, why is he screaming? 
and he's just not used to that. Uh, so it's okay um, to raise your voice, but it, uh, so there's all different kinds of ways to do it. Uh, I'm primarily a teacher, um, and so I like to teach. I like to, uh, I like to drill down and, and unpack things and try to make it clear, try to help us understand it. Um, but what I have to share tonight is, um, is more of a prophetic word than a teaching word. Um, and, uh, and my style is always going to be teaching, but uh, what I, I'm going to ask you to listen. The Bible says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. And um, so I'm asking you to, to Jesus said, uh, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. So I'm asking you to hear this prophetically uh, and not just teaching Lee, uh, that you are engaging your faith. The Bible says that uh, in the book of Hebrews that the children of Israel did not enter into their promised land because they didn't marry faith with the word that was given them. So a word was given to them, but it still required them to engage their faith. They had to lean into that word. They had to take hold of it. They had to absorb it. They had to get it in their heart. Uh, They had to recall it when times became tough. And so I'm going to encourage you to listen with eyes of faith, um, to listen with eyes of faith. Okay, here we go. Let's do that. Let's listen with eyes of faith. Let's smell with ears of faith. Um, amen. Engage your faith, <laughs> wherever, wherever. If it's in your nose or your tongue or your ears or whatever. This word came to me uh, just really, uh, I, I was looking back to see when this actually started to kind of come up in my spirit, and uh, it happened uh, around the beginning of December, uh, and it came out of just my regular reading my Bible uh, on, a, you know, on a consistent basis. I'm not flawless in reading my Bible every day, but I, I attempt to do that, and I, I do it fairly much, fairly regularly. Uh, I'm reading my Bible every day. So I'm reading through the book of Psalms, and and I'm reading this passage, and I happen to be reading Psalms in the New Living Testament uh, and, uh, uh, at that time, and, and this passage just came alive to me. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I just, I want to encourage the habit of reading your Bible uh, to every one of you, because you don't know what day the Holy Spirit is going to make a word come alive to you that is going to actually engage your spirit and actually propel you into your next season and cause you to enter into everything that God has for you. And, and the, that's what the word is. The word is not just instruction. The word is alive. It's full of life. And so this word comes into my heart and, it, and uh, I start thinking about it. I start praying on it. I start meditating on it. And I wasn't really expecting uh, this to, to come, although I expect generally for this to come, but I was just reading my Bible. So that's why I'm encouraging you to do that, and that's why I'm even saying this. Uh, but, uh, but I just, uh, this, this picture uh, that I'm, of this passage creates an image for me. And I believe image is a powerful thing. Uh, I taught a series of messages years ago called Image is Everything. And, uh, and it's not about the image you portray, it's about the image you carry on the inside. Uh, so God gave Abraham 
uh, a promise and he gave him an image and he said, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Um, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And God put this image inside of him that that image was a flashlight uh, that guided him through some difficult times because he knew this was God's will for him. There was a picture that lived inside of him that was a different picture than what his natural eyes saw. And that's, that is actually what you and I have the beautiful privilege to, to be a part of is that we are leaders, we are serving, we are volunteers, we are, you know, uh, engaged in the house of God, but we're also just engaged in our own life and our world, and God gives us vision, and our job literally is to, we create new realities, Um, and that's what we get to do. That's a beautiful thing. So, I want you to look at this passage with me. Uh, I've I've put it, we put it on a little fridge magnet, so you don't have to put it on your fridge, but uh, that's where it is in my house, Um, and because I want you to pray it, I want you to think it, I want you to meditate on it, I want you to get the picture, I want some of the phrases. I know there are phrases that will stick out to me that might not stick out to you, but, but this is, I believe, is a prophetic promise for our church from the Holy Spirit for 2017. Yay! Awesome. All right, Uh, Psalm 65, verse 9 through 13, you take care of the rock church. Now, it says the earth, but how many of you know it's okay to put your name in the Bible, right? You take care of the rock church and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods, leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture, and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep. The valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Somebody say amen. Amen. So let, let me let me let me drill down on this in just a few minutes. Uh, we promise to to uh, honor your time tonight, but I just I, I want to give you twenty seven. No, I want to give you eight ideas that uh, that that have as I have prayed this and meditated on it. There are things that have emerged for me that are speaking to my soul right now, and I think they will speak to yours as well. Number one is this: the Rock Church belongs to God. Amen. Come on. Uh, Anybody want to just own that? You take care of the Rock Church. Now, I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility for our church. And I think a lot of you do and share that with me. But at the end of the day, this is not my church. This is God's church. And this church exists 
because God entrusted a vision to Suzette and I that we would be stewards of and that we would carry that vision out. He gave us, if you will, leadership strength or leadership gifting that would enable us to to lead this vision. But the truth is, all of us should be here because we're on board with that vision. I mean, we feel called to that vision. It's like, I may be the mouthpiece of it, and and I may be somewhat the leader of it, but at the end of the day, you're not following me. You're following the vision. You're following the Lord. And I want to say that that it is it is a great thing to realize that once you realize that God takes care of you, <laughs> that God takes... So, the Rock Church is this group of people, but at the end of the day, the Rock Church is you and you and you and you. I mean, like we are all the, the, the it's not the building, it's not the organization, it's not all that stuff, is the people, right? So God takes care of the Rock Church. We, we are the leaders that God has entrusted this church to, but ultimately, he takes care of it. And, and so what I want us to realize is that when God takes care of something, the Bible says you take care of the Rock Church, you make it rich and fertile, right? You take care of the Rock Church and water it, making it rich and fertile. What it, what's the opposite of rich and fertile. Poor and barren. Thank you very much. (laughs) Poor and barren. Everything God is looking over is, has an element of increase involved in it. It, And it has a rich, fertile element of increase. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible talks about this idea. I planted, verse 6, Apollos watered, God caused the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants, he who waters are one. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And I I think what I want to say to you is that when you are part of a house, uh, especially when you're part of a house like this, we believe that every good thing that God anoints this house with trickles down to you. Amen. I'm not going to look at the Presbyterian side of the room. I'm going to look at the everything, every good. So if God blesses this house, you know, with, with worship, with faith, with prosperity, with whatever he blesses it with, then he blesses it, he blesses you with it. And so I want you to get this posture this year because I promise you to help you. Help me this morning. You know, I had one of those three o'clock in the morning wake up thinking, how the heck are we going to pull this off? And my, my first thought was, oh, you take care of the Rock Church. Not my job to take care of the Rock Church. That's your job. My job is cooperate. <laughs> my job is get out of the way. 
And I hope that you will take this to heart for yourself, for you, for your family, for your business, for, for your heart, for this house. So the main thing that is on me on this, this whole passage is our prayer posture and our lean this year is God takes care of the Rock Church. And, and I intend this year to let God be God And I am not going to try to be God for God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Come on. It's like, I'm, and I want to encourage you to, in the right way, chill out. Come on, turn and look at your neighbor. Say, chill out. I want you to chill out and quit trying to be God because you're a terrible God. And so am I. And let's let God take care of us this year. That's what he wants to do. And I'm not talking about just passively laying back and just sort of, you know, waiting for something to happen. But I, but I am saying let's lean in to God being God in our world. Second idea that is uh, powerful to me is this, is that God is a God of abundance. And, and I see the language of this over and over again. Uh, the, you know, this is NLT, so, but it says, the river of God has plenty of water. Uh, it talks about a bountiful harvest of grain. It says, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. I know I'm reminding you of this, but I need this reminder, uh, and, I, and I know you do too, is God is not a barely provider. God is an abundant provider. And I, what I want to say to you as you look into 2017 is don't let a past season of lack make you forget the enduring nature of God's abundance and blessing. Come on. Here's what I know. When you go through a struggle, when you go through a season of lack, when you go through a storm, when you go through stuff, which everybody goes through stuff, sometimes it'll mark your soul and you'll start to think, this is just the way it's going to be for me. I rebuke that in Jesus' name, and I want to say to you, God will crown your year with a bountiful harvest. He will make even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. That's the kind of God we're serving. That's that's the God who is the God over the house. Our church, our church has big dreams. And, you know, there are times where I think, you know, I should just stop asking people to serve and to give and to pray, but I can't uh, because there's too much to do. There's too many people to reach. There's too many Sean Robinsons out there. There's, you know, there's just too much glory for God that needs to take place. And we have big dreams for our church, and it's going to take a lot of resource. We're not penny anteing around here. And I don't want anybody in this place to ever find themselves where they start to shrink back and get small, and maybe one bad year or one bad season cause them to go, well, well, it's just, this is the way it is. 
Come on. One, one bad chapter doesn't write the whole book, <laughs> doesn't define everything. All right, third idea that, that hits me on this, and uh, I'm just trying to be aware of the time as much as anything, is, is this idea. The kingdom of God operates and grows agriculturally. That means like plants. Yeah, right. I want good things, big things, awesome things, incredible things to happen now. I want to mix the ingredients and boom, get it to happen. But this whole passage is painting a picture for us that in actuality is an agricultural picture, but I think all of us would agree the Bible is full of agricultural analogy. Right? I mean, it's the vine and the branches, it's the mustard seed, it's the trees and how they bear fruit. It's, I mean, it's just, you know, there's the sower went out to sow and this ground was good and this ground was not so good. And, and I, I just, I, I want to position you for this and I got to preach this to me as much as I got to preach it to you is, is this, it, it's not just math. It, it's not, it's not, it, it's, it's agriculture, <laughs> and agriculture is, most of us are not agricultural. I mean, some of you guys have gardens and stuff like that, but, but the truth is, most, that's not the, re, the real way we live. I, I go to Whole Foods, I go to Bilo to get my oranges. I'm not, I'm not thinking about a tree and taking care of it and growing oranges or that sort of thing. I did a series of messages um, a couple, of, several, quite a few years ago that was called Don't Do Math in History Class. That sometimes God's wanting to write history and, and we're trying to do math and he's wanting to do something that's very different. And we're math-minded when he's trying to create history. And I want to say to you, uh, don't do math in future Farmers of America meeting. <laughs> Come on. God's, God's kingdom uh, operates and grows agriculturally. My wife loves to mess around with plants and that sort of thing. And, and so through the years, we've had occasionally, uh, primarily tomatoes of some level. And some of them have been kind of just these little serendipitous things that just came up uh, and, you know, grew. And I'm always incredibly amazed at how many freaking tomatoes come off a tomato plant. Have you ever had a tomato plant? It's like, you can't eat them all. I mean, you just, you can't. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's enough for you, and you got to share some of it. That kind of sounds like the kingdom of God to me. And, and it, it just, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that much, but the more you pull them off and the more you start to deal with them, and, and there's always more than enough. So that is the kingdom of God. That is the way God does things. God is a God of more than enough. Too much just for us. Uh, enough to share. Uh, I'm, I'm, again, I'm asking you to listen to this with hearts of faith, ears of faith, noses of faith, however you want to do it, right? Every winter, 
Um, I have, I, I have this, these guys come in and they, they trim our gardens back considerably so that they'll grow right in the next season. And I, and I know all of us eventually, that's what Jesus said, right? If, if, a, if a tree, if a branch is bearing fruit, God's going to trim it back so it'll be more fruitful. And so I'm saying to you, there may have been a season, there may have been a time, there may have been stuff go on that you have felt trimmed back, but trimming back sometimes is a really good thing. It, 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 the trimming back at first, like when you look at our garden right now, we just had this done uh, in the last week or two. And if you look at my garden now, it looks like there's hardly anything there. <laughs> what was like all over the place. And, and to the, if you don't understand the process, you look at it and go, they just destroyed my garden. No, they just made it so it could really flourish in this next year. God, God doesn't work in straight lines. I want him to, but he doesn't. When you get on a plane and, you, and you're flying over uh, waterways, you can always tell the man-made waterways because they're straight lines. They're canals that run straight. But you can always tell the God-made waterways because they just kind of loop and meander and go all over the place. God's kingdom operates and grows agriculturally. It's not just a straight line, but when it starts to produce fruit, incredible things happen. Fourth idea is this idea. God always works in divine partnership. So, so here's, how the, here's how the process works. God provides seed. God provides soil. God provides sun. God provides water or rain, and we plant. And we have to plow, we have to get things ready. And I want to I lean into this just a little, but not too hard. But I want us to understand that we do have a part to play. God doesn't do it all. When God wants us to have a canoe, he gives us a tree. Right? I, had a friend, I heard a friend uh, say this. The art of leadership is when you see a tree, you can make a canoe out of it. You take what God gave you and form it in to the thing that you're believing for. We always have a, heart to pl- a part to play. What I, what I want to remind us of is this, is that our part is never God's part. And getting clear about what part is God's part And what part is my part? My part is mostly cooperate. (laughs) You know, my part is mostly, in in many instances, just get out of the way and let God do what he wants to do. Everybody with me so far? All right, number five uh, is, is this. God is a God of restoration. 2017... For, for some of us, for many of us, is going to be a year of restoration. It says, it has this, this analogy, uh, this picture. You, you drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. So the picture is that there's been ground that has been plowed 
And then it's been left there long enough that now the dirt has become kind of chunks and clods and it's just left there. There's a, the, the concept in the Bible that is called fallow ground is fallow ground is ground that has been plowed and been tilled, but now it has just sat there unused, gotten hard, gotten crunchy, and there's no life to it. And fallow ground is broken up by the rain of heaven. Hosea 10, 12 says this, So, with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. You've got dreams and hopes, ideas, visions, things that you thought might happen, desires, plans that you got started on in the past, but now it just kind of sits there, fallow ground. It just sits there. You look at it and it's just, there's clods and ridges and dried up. And you feel like it's all dried up. I'm here to announce to you that God wants to pour rain on those dreams. And he wants to bring restoration. Amen. It's better preaching than amening. But that, that restoration is the heart of God. This is the, the phrase that has really kind of just kept sticking in my spirit as I've been praying is this phrase that even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Like, I've got this picture of this, this a path that seems old, it seems hard, it seems familiar, it seems worn, it's, it's there, but it, it's not necessarily a place of life doesn't have life on it, and that God wants to cause hard pathways to overflow with abundance. Can, can, I, can I pause here for a minute and give you a, a bit of a, uh, a, a challenge? Um, so Hosea says, seek the Lord till he rains righteousness on you. So uh, our last... 21-day prayer season may have been one of the weakest efforts I've ever seen from our church to sow prayer into what God wants to do. And I understand it's not works as much as anybody, but I understand the power of persistently pursuing 
God in the place of prayer that I'm saying, what, what can I do to lead our church into actually, literally being a house of prayer? I, I, I'm not trying to, I don't ever want to try to feel like I'm strong arming our church to do anything. But I'm also not happy about leading a church that would be so indifferent to seeking after God. It was just 21 days. It was actually only 15, you know, weekdays uh, that anybody could have just picked a day. And I don't want to drive too hard on this nail, but I want to say that it, that, that part is our part. Like we can't do the rain, but we can pray. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to uh, prayerfully, thoughtfully consider the next time we have a prayer season in our church, which usually is right before fall starts coming, that you, that you would just carve out some time, that maybe you would even once a month or some as much as you can be here for early morning prayer, which isn't super early, on Sunday before church, because there is a connection. There is a connection between that pursuit of God in prayer and the reign of heaven. And when I, everything I'm seeing about this passage is that it's the rain that makes the difference. It, come on, it's the rain of heaven that makes the difference. The prayer part is our part, okay? All right, you love me anyway, no matter what, even if I challenge you a little bit, is that okay? Yeah, all right. All right, all right, stop. All right, all right, number, number six, the Rock Church is a happy place. <laughs> I got to go there uh, after I just fussed a little bit, right? I love it. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. Everybody say joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep. The valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. I love this idea. God wants your world filled with joy. The joy of you're not being and trying to be God, but you're allowing him to be God. God wants your home filled with joy. Come on, he wants, he wants your soul filled with joy. Not some kind of fake put on thing, but he wants to fill this church with joy. God wants your marriage to be filled with joy. Somebody say amen. God wants your work to be filled with joy, the joy of receiving God's reign. Number seven, let me, let me get through this. God brings order and blessing where there was once chaos and barrenness. God brings order and blessing where there once was chaos and barrenness. Let me just read these ideas. Uh, the, it says this, the, the grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture. The hillsides are blossoming with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep. The valleys are carpeted with grain. What once was wilderness, God can turn into a lush pasture. 
And then the last idea that I want to present to you is just this. Pray for rain. Pray for rain. I think as I have prayed this passage over and over and meditated on it and and just thought it over, uh, the main point of all this is this. God's rain makes all the difference. Right? I mean, God's rain restores I, I can remember seasons when it wasn't raining at all around here, and we it'd be two weeks where my grass didn't need to be cut. And then I can remember when it rained all the time, and every three or four days, my grass would need to be cut. God's rain makes the difference. Am I getting a picture? Am, am I not painting a picture for you? Uh, uh. All, all our labor is in vain without the rain, right? All the pathways would just remain hard. All the plowed ground would just lay fallow without his rain coming down from heaven. Amen. I want you to stand with me right now. I want to pray together for a few moments. And then we are going to worship for just a minute. Father, we come before you today. We lift our hearts. We lift our faith. We lift our expectancy. We submit ourselves to your reign. And God, we are willing to to plant, to plow, uh, to sow, but we know ultimately it's your reign. I'm praying for your reign on our church. I'm praying for your reign on every family in this room. I'm praying your reign, God, on our careers, on our business, God. I'm praying your reign on our marriages, Lord. I'm praying your reign over our soul, Father, I'm believing that you are going to pour out an abundance of rain on this house in Jesus' name. Does somebody agree with me and say amen? Come on, let's thank the Lord.